0: It says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. Quote, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth, end quote. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, Here's water. Who can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached uh, Caesarea. Now we're jumping in the middle of a a long story here. Last week we saw and were introduced to Philip, who was one of the seven, go back to Acts 6, one of the seven men that was a part of the church, full of the spirit, full of wisdom. Like Stephen, he had a part to play in God's story. Uh, If you're wondering where we are, in the section of Acts, we're getting four profiles, because the good news is going from Jerusalem, where Jesus died and rose again, And it's now going to go to the ends of the earth. And Luke is telling us how this happened. God uses people. He always has. He always will. If you want to see the gospel move forward, it's going to take people. And so he uses people like Stephen, who gives his life for the cause. And now he's using someone like Philip. And Philip is given in contrast. If you were here last week, we looked at him and his conversation uh, up in Samaria. And I just want us to think about for a second before we look at this text of the contrast Luke gives us. Philip, this is the kind of person he is. He's in the north. Uh, remember, there's, there's persecution in Jerusalem. He goes north to Samaria. These are not like him culturally. Uh, he is a Jew. They are Samaritans. But Philip is used by God. Uh, he, he works with the crowds in the north. So Philip is obviously a, a dynamic personality. He, he speaks to the masses. He's used in healing. So demons come out with shrieks. People who are sick are made whole. There's a massive move of God going on in Samaria. Now notice the contrast with this story. He's in the north. Now where does God say to go? To the south. He's working with the crowds. Now it's to one person. He's doing miracles in the north, and now it's a conversation in the scriptures in the south. What what Luke is doing is telling us the type of person that Philip is, and you notice the variety. Now who is Philip? Now, it doesn't say it here, but go to Acts uh, 21. We'll just throw it on the screen for time. We see Philip again, and we get a clue at the end of the story. Leaving the next day, 21 verse 8, we reached, this is Luke speaking, Caesarea, and stayed at the house of Philip the evangelist, one of the seven. Now, for some reason, it doesn't tell us this in chapter 8, but Philip is one of the people in the church that is gifted by God to do something. So when you read Acts 8 and you read the life of Philip, and you say, man, I am nothing like this guy, it's okay. Because you're getting biographies, you may be more like Stephen, you may be more like Saul who becomes Paul, you may be more like Cornelius, you may be more like Peter, you may be more like Luke. There are all sorts of profiles in Acts and all sorts of people because God doesn't cookie cutter the church. He gives everyone a unique Ability, a gift, and he does it for a reason. I'm going to go ahead to uh, uh, Ephesians. We're going to get somewhere eventually, but this background is helpful because Philip is a gift to the church. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, when Paul is later writing about what these gifts are like, he says, So Christ himself gave. And just catch that. Jesus gave Philip to the church at Jerusalem, which becomes the church in Samaria, which is going to become... The church in Egypt. Philip is a gift. He gives to the church who? Apostles. So you have Peter and John who are apostles in Acts. He gives the prophets. He gives the evangelists. He gives the pastors and teachers to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So I wanted us to pause before we look at what Philip does here to realize that in the church early on and in the church today, God has all sorts of people. And everyone that does anything in the church, we need to see them, men or women, young or old, new to faith, or seasoned as a gift. So when I look at Philip and Acts 8, I don't want to look at someone who's unlike me or strange or different. Rather, I want to appreciate that everyone in this church And everyone in the church in the first century is a gift by Jesus for the building up. All of the giftedness is for the good of everyone. So don't think, if you're new to faith or you're just walking with Jesus and trying to figure it out, that, well, I am like a Christian here, but then God gives like super Christians to the church to really do the stuff. But I'm not like one of them, so I'm just going to stay at this level. No, 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 no. The only reason God gives unique gifts like apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, which are still around today, the only reason he gives that is because everyone needs to be built up. So let's look at Philip this way. Philip is someone who's supposed to inspire me to be more like Jesus. Because Jesus is the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Jesus is all of that. The unique people that we have today are just one slice of who Jesus is like. So you may be be one of these, or you may be one that ought to be inspired by people gifted to the church. The goal is not that I look at Philip and say, that's not me. The goal is I look at Philip and say, how can I live more like Jesus? And because Philip is like Jesus, how can I pull some of the giftedness that he has? Well, that's just a little bit of the background. Now, why does this matter right now? We're just going through the Bible, right? And I think it's huge that we would hit this text at this time in the calendar year. Uh, June is like tomorrow, right? It's the end of May. And something happens in the state of Oregon that's miraculous. Pasty white Oregonians get a tan and a burn and both, right? We, we are suddenly outside, you are grilling again. You're walking out, you're smiling, you're nice to people. You're getting to know neighbors that you have not seen for nine months. I mean, this is the way it is. And as we move into the summer, I think Jesus wants us to be inspired like someone like Philip, to take a little bit of his life and, and make it my own so that I can be the type of witness to the community that Philip was. So summer's coming and here we are. Now there are five things that we're going to see in Philip's encounter with this this eunuch that you can lay hold of. This is so simple, so practical, but I want you to write it down because what Philip teaches us is still applicable for today. The first thing, write it down. How do you live this kind of lifestyle where people get introduced to Jesus through your own life, through your own words? The first thing we see is let the Holy Spirit lead you. What's going on here is not a work of Philip. Now, Philip is an evangelist. And evangelists, by design, are able to go into all sorts of environments, size it up, and be used by the Spirit to preach the gospel. So God gives evangelists to the church, and Philip is one of them. But notice how he was in the crowds, and he can speak to the crowds, but now the Spirit leads him to a unique work. Look at verse 26. An angel of the Lord, a messenger of the Lord, said to Philip... Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he he tells them exactly where to go. And then later on, if you look a couple of verses down, verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot. What do we learn from the evangelist? The evangelist is a gift to the church to remind us that the Spirit of God is still speaking. The Spirit is speaking to people and he's wanting to speak to you like he speaks to Philip And give you very clear directions about what you to do with your life, what you to do with your day. And there are people right now, just hear this. We see it in the story, but we see it in our life. There are people with your name on it. God has people that he wants you to influence for the good news of Jesus. And what, what Philip does is what we're called to do. He listens to the voice of God. He makes room in his world to hear from God. A messenger of the Lord says, do something that's stupid. And you say, well, what do you mean? It makes no sense. If you look at the context and what Luke tells us here, he's in the middle of a city-wide revival. A church is exploding. People are coming to faith in Jesus. He's at the center of it all. Peter and John come down. The Spirit comes and they speak in unknown languages. They're now used. God is at work in Samaria. The last thing you do if you're Philip is leave, Right? If you think about anything happening, you're starting a company and it really takes off. What's the worst thing that you can do if you're the entrepreneur that started it is leave. Because that person that's uniquely gifted to start something is a person that can feel it forward. But God does not work like five-year business plans. He does not. God's ways are always better than man's ways. And so right in the middle of renewal, revival, God at work, the Spirit, An angel of the Lord says to Philip, no, 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 no. Your work here is done for now. I've got an assignment for you. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. So when it comes to witness, when it comes to sharing the faith, when it comes to being used by God, let's just take the pressure off of us for a minute. Who is the hero of this story? It is not Philip. It is God himself. God is the one who wants to get his gospel out. God is the one who's moving him to Samaria. God is the one doing miracle wonders. God is the one leading people to himself. God is the one sending the Spirit. And now God is the one sending Philip to a new place. And so you don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about where to go and who to speak to. What I need to worry about is, am I listening? Am I listening to what God would have me to do today? Am I asking? Am I seeking? Am I knocking? Why do these seek days? We're doing about seven a year. Why carve out a day? Because can't I just seek God on Tuesday? And can I seek God on Friday? And can't I just come to church on Sunday? We want to be intentional people. We want to be those who are actively asking, seeking, knocking, and looking for the Spirit of God to do something in our world. And so we purposefully get together. And I think that's what you see here in the text. Philip is one who leaves a city reaching movement and he goes to reach out to one, peop- uh, to one person. And, and this is the story of uh, my wife and I. I. I think I teach sometimes, but primarily, I think you've figured this out. Primarily when it comes to the mix of how God wires people, I'm an evangelist. And so when I look at Philip, I get like all twitchy. You know, I'm like, Samaria, is that Kazakhstan? Like Samaria, is that Russia? Like I just, I just want to, I'm thinking of new people and new places. And yes, I am twitchy. And that is okay because that's how God's wired me. And so I could relate to this. And I could relate to that experience of seeing God use you in the big and seeing God use you in the small, in the one person and in the city and that's the story of our existence. If you don't know the story, I'll, I'll bore you. Again, six years ago, my wife and I, we built our dream house in Charlotte, North Carolina, because that's where God led us. We were praying in Colorado. God, where do you want us to be? And it was very clear, Charlotte was the place to be. We were there for years, and we said, we're going to send our kids off to college from Charlotte, the land of you know grits and sweet tea. And, and, and you know what? That is not what God had for us. And before you know it, there's this church called Solid Rocks, now Westside, that was started and the Spirit of God is moving and I'm coming out here and flying once a month and twice a month preaching and teaching. And the leaders came to us and said, man, would you base your evangelistic ministry here in Portland? We had been here before, so it wasn't new. Would you come back to Portland and base from here and we'll send you out and we'll send you with cash and we'll send you with people and we want to see a move of God. Will you please come here so that when you're here, you could preach and teach and your family could be blessed. And we're like, that just makes no sense. This is crazy talk. And here I am. (laughs) Because of Acts 8. Because that's what the Spirit does. So this this is the conflict with hearing the Spirit and human tendencies in America. We want to do things in progression, and it has to be logical, and it has to make sense, and it has to go higher, and it has to be strategic. And the Spirit says, what are you talking about? I made the universe, and I uphold all of it, and I know what I'm doing, and if I want you to go from here to there, that's what you should do. And so we want to be a people that are open to the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit lead you so the question is are you allowing the spirit to lead you right now like let's just let's just be blunt is in your daily rhythm your weekly rhythm your monthly rhythm any rhythm the idea that you are a child of god therefore dad's got orders for you are you seeking that looking or is that in your framework if we want to be used by god like philip because the evangelist equips the church to be more like jesus if you want to live that way, then that's the place to start. Second thing that we see from Philip is we're called to run to where they are. Look at verse thirty. Run to where they are. Look, look at what we see. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. He ran. Notice the intentionality. I just want us to catch this. He he senses that God's working, but what is the evangelist? Do evangelists by nature are opportunistic, they're looking for a little bit of an open door. Now, some of us, when we think about an open door, it's got to be like wide open, and we see our reflection on the other side. And evangelists, if you give them a little bit of a fraction of a crack, they will kick it because they see that any little bit of an open door. Did you like my kick? I mean, you're slightly, so, I'm actually sore, so I can't get my leg up at all, but uh, but. They look for the open door and they jump in it. Philip runs. And so the evangelist is a gift to the church to remind us that if there's any small bit of an opportunity, you and I, as the people of God, as followers of Jesus, should seize it. We shouldn't wait. We shouldn't talk ourselves out of it. When Jesus is at work, and you see that your name is on it. You should run toward God. Even if you don't know what to do, even if you don't know what's going to happen next, some of us by nature are more timid and we need 35 confirmations before anything happens. But let, let the evangelist speak to you this morning to say, yes, you can do it. You can be used by God in ways bigger than you and more profound than you. And it may not make sense, but if, if Jesus puts your name on it, you should go for it. Go for it. I think of Luis Palau right now. 80 years old. He's my hero. 80 years old. He has been talking about doing an evangelistic outreach in New York City for 50 years. Is it 50 years, Jim? I would like to say 90 years, but that would be evangelistically speaking. He's only 80. But, but, but he's been talking about New York for, eight, uh, for 80, 50 years. And I remember when I first started serving with him, uh, after doing an internship, we joined the staff. And when I first joined staff, we went to New York, where I was born and raised, for Christmas. And I got my phone call from Elise Palau. This is 22 years ago. He calls me on Christmas break. I'm like, honored. Like, Luis Palau is calling me. I'm a schlep. I'm a nobody. Well, I'm just going home for Christmas. He's like, hey, Jose, how's it going? Great, thank you. Like, does he call everyone for Christmas? You know, so how long are you in New York? Oh, just, I'm thinking like, shouldn't you know this? You're my boss. But like, you know, just a couple of weeks or whatever. He's like, yeah. Well, tell me about the pastors there. And uh, can you make any connection? He is trying to work me to, to get some pastors to do an hour. he's 22 years ago in New York. I'm like, I don't know anyone. But the evangelist is looking for the open door. They're looking for the open door. They're running. And after running and chasing and running and chasing and running and chasing, God is giving Luis the desire of his heart. And God willing here in just a little over a month, there's going to be a huge outreach. There's outreach is happening right now uh, all over the city. Andrew was speaking yesterday. One of his sons is here this morning. Andrew Plow was speaking just yesterday, kicking it off. And God is at work. Why? Because when the Spirit leads, we go through the open door, we run to it. And we want to be a people that are intentionally running. Now, here's the problem with open doors. We're looking for the big one. Let me just give you a little bit of tidbit uh, of help about open doors. If you're waiting for the big open door, you will never see the obvious open door right in front of you. Open doors. Now, now for for Philip, let's just look at him. It's Samaria. The open door was get out of Jerusalem or die. Okay, that was the open door. He left and he goes to Samaria, but the spirit is doing something in a foreign land. And so he seizes that open door. God can trust him in Samaria. Therefore, he uses him to reach the eunuch. Now, it may seem insignificant to you, but we need to just look wide and broad. Samaria got a big move of God. The Ethiopian eunuch is just one person, but one person going home is going to make a big difference. There's an entire church that traces their history 2,000 years back to the Ethiopian eunuch who is reached. So you never know how significant that door may be. You never know that one person that you're working with or going to school with or at the gym with or hanging out with. You have no idea who that one person that you're investing in right now, what God's gonna do in their lifetime. Someone preached the gospel to Luis Palau. In no man's land, Argentina, at a camp. And he was converted to Jesus Christ and God has used him in ways that are are more profound than most. But it's not about Luis Palau. It's not about the evangelists. It's about them being used to inspire us. Any one of us can be used by God in ways like Philip if we're open to it. So we run to the open door. Sometimes that means being faithful where you're at. If God put you somewhere, can I state the obvious? God knows what he's doing. You're like, but I don't like my job. God knows what he's doing. He's working on something called character. Say character. Character. You see, my character should grow to be more like Jesus this year than last year. So God puts us in very difficult circumstances, tough relational spots, whether with friends or relatives or spouse or kids. He puts us in difficult work environments. He puts us in difficult neighborhoods. He does all of that because he's more interested in your character being more like Jesus than you. And so what God does is he puts us, but also he puts us there to test. Are you going to make the most of this opportunity? I'll never forget when I first talked to Luis Palau, I wasn't even serving with him. I was just an evangelist wannabe. And he came into town and I got a two minute meeting with him. And so he says, so you're an evangelist. And I'm like, I think so. Because at this point, like, what am I going to say to this guy? And so he says, let me tell you something. Don't wait for the open door. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, do it, Jose. Preach the gospel now. He's like, if God gives you 10 people in the Sunday school class, pretend it's 10,000. Pray like it's 10,000. Plan like it's 10,000. And if God wants to use you with a bigger open door, he'll open the bigger door. But you just do the gospel now. And you know what? I found it to be the best advice. That's the evangelist being used to inspire the rest of us. And can I just say that to you? That's worthwhile advice for you. If you want to be used by God, be faithful with one. Be faithful with loving your kids in Jesus' name. Be faithful in raising them to love the Lord. Be faithful in getting to know one coworker. Just to, You don't have to reach all of Nike. You don't have to reach all of Intel. But what about your division? What about your series of cubes? Sorry that God sent you there. But like, what about whatever it is that, that you got to be? What it, whatever it is, your proximity, it could... Seem more like you in the Ethiopian eunuch. And by the way, this guy named Philip has very little in common with the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip, later on in Acts 21, has four daughters. So Philip's married. He's a eunuch. Because of his position in first century, they'd often castrate people of significant influence. If you oversaw the king's harem, if you can take care of his wives, you were castrated. If you can take care of his money, They took away every motivation for you to mess up. And so this is an important person here. But he's not a full Jew. He can't be a full Jew because the sign of being a Jew is circumcision and he can't be. So culturally, they have nothing in common. Geographically, they have nothing in common. Married, single, nothing in common. And can I just say to you, you don't have to be like the person Jesus is sending you to. Some say, well, you know, I, I, every time I go to Southeast, for the good food, every time I go to Southeast, I, I go, like, I don't have tats. Like, I don't have cuffs. I, I, you know, I, 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 don't have, I don't have anything. I, I have no, I have nothing in common. Let me tell you, you are breathing oxygen. You have something in common. You speak English. You, you may have that in common with them. You do not need to be, if you think about the people who influence you for Jesus, ask yourself honestly, how much like you were they? Most of the time, my friends, God uses people who are totally unlike us to reach us. So you may be a suburban mom and God may put you in a position with people that are unlike you. Let me tell you, my friend, the spirit of God will lead you to people and he will use you if you trust him. So you don't have to be hip to reach a hipster. You don't have to be. You just need to be full of the Spirit, because the the Spirit will break through all of that cultural nonsense and get to the heart, and you have the Holy Spirit. So who is it that the Spirit of God is sending you to? Third thing, listen to what they're saying. Listen to what they're saying, and this is so helpful. Philip does not need to start the gospel conversation. This guy already starts it for him. Look at verse 30. Philip ran to the chair He heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. That's all he has to do is to start the conversation. Now, for them in the first century, people read out loud. So we know this guy has an ed- education because he can read. Most people are illiterate. We know that he's a person of importance because everyone can own a Bible. in these days, scrolls were expensive. The fact that he's got his own scroll of Isaiah, this guy is someone He's a person of finance. He's a person of influence. And he's reading, he's seeking. What does that tell me? At every level, people are seeking. You know, there are people today, especially where we live, who don't need anything. Don't believe that lie. It's a lie from Satan. They don't need anything. They're rich, they're influential. Let me tell you, they're human. And in the human soul, there is a need of God. We were made by God for God. And without God, we do not fully work. So they may be giving their God lack alone. Doping up, drinking up, partying up, working up, entertaining up, trying to fill up that God vacuum. But everyone, and the evangelist knows this. The evangelist isn't afraid to talk to anyone because no matter their person of influence, no matter their title. The evangelist knows they need God just like I need God. And let that inspire all of us. Your boss needs Jesus. Uh, The CEO of your company needs Jesus. The person with nothing needs Jesus. We all need Jesus. So start With, uh, I'm sorry, listen to what they're saying. So he's beginning the conversation. He's reading for the prophet. And all Philip does is take him along with where he starts. Now, along with this, number four, start with where they are. So now we're getting like a snapshot of one conversation that's teed up beautifully. Do you understand what you're reading? Verse 30, Philip asked him, how can I? Unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip up to come up and sit with him. And then they read the passage from Isaiah that he had these spiritual questions and he happens to be reading in Isaiah a part where it's talking about this person and he, don't know, he doesn't know who this person is. So look at verse 34. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, who is the prophet talking about? Is it himself? Is it someone else? And then verse 35, Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. So he just, he just starts with, with where he is. He, he listens to what, what he's saying and he starts where he is. And any one of us can do that. Now this happens in one setting. So let me just give a disclaimer. That is not the norm. Now it is for the evangelist. It just is God. Now it seems like Philip is like super gifted. No, no, no. It's not how it works. God knows what he's doing, and so the Spirit sends people who are ready to do the right thing at the right time. This man is ready to receive Jesus. He's totally primed to receive Jesus. So the Spirit sends the right person, Philip, who's a mix of boldness and truth. He sends the right person at the right time. He's reading the right passage, and the attention should not be on Philip. The attention should be on God, who could send the right person to do the task. But for most of us, that will not all happen in one setting. So we just want to be the kind of people that put ourselves in a position where we can hear what people are saying, thinking, feeling, and that we can be the right people that can come along and start with where they are at and lead them towards the path of Jesus and the good news. Now the good thing is here, we've got people who are living this way. We have people who decidedly live on mission for Jesus all year long, right in this group. Not like Philip, but like ordinary people. Uh, I, I think of, of Scott and Orlena and Tony uh, Vitisich and, and Beth and, and others. They take a, an annual trip to Disneyland because they got rid of their kids. They, they married them off. They didn't get rid of them. But they married them off. They raised them. And now they're smart. They go to Disney without the kids. That's, just, that's my dream. Like... Kids are out the door. I'm going to Disney every year. You don't go on my rides, but they uh, there's a group that go to Disneyland together, but they do it on mission. I'm like, can you be on mission in Mickey Land? Yes, you can. So what they do is they look for people to bless. They look for people to serve. Now, are they having fun? Yes. Is serving God boring? No. Serving God is adventurous. So they've just chosen because they live this way here. They love people here. They serve people here. They share the gospel here. So when they go to Disneyland on their group vacation, they've decided to make that a missionary opportunity. And they're looking for people to bless in Jesus' name, just like Philip was. We have people who live this way all the time. Steve Marshman, Steve and Vicky, are just very gifted. They're not here so I could say anything about him. Uh, he's one of our elders. They're both gifted teachers. He's an Air Force pilot who turned investor, uh, who, who's also a great golfer, who's a great cyclist. He's annoying. Um, he just does everything. He just does everything well. He's just one of those guys. And so Stephen Vicky, uh, when he first got hired in the investment world, uh, they've kept in touch with that first person. And, oh, snap, his brother's here. So I'm in, I'm in deep trouble. I just realized I looked in the back. Sorry, you know, uh, but, but um, I totally lost my train of thought because he's also a police officer. He'll probably kill me. Or arrest me for defaming something. Anyway, so, so Steve and Vicky they've kept in, in close relationship with the first couple that hired him. And he went on, started his own business, and, and, and it was super successful. But this couple invited uh, them to go on vacation with them, And so they were in Hawaii not long ago, just a couple of weeks ago. And he was just rejoicing and sending me emails and texts because God, after so many years, he knows, he knows that they're Christian, this couple has no, like, God sense about them. But because Steve and Vicki had been faithfully following Jesus all these years on vacation in Hawaii, hanging out, they started peppering them with all the tough questions. Like, okay, tell me about this. Tell me about that. Tell me about the other. And here's the beautiful thing. Steve and Vicky, because they had invested over time, they started with where they are at and took them on the road to the good news of Jesus and were able to share the gospel with them. Now, in Philip's case, it happens in one moment, Steve and Vicki's case, it happened over the course of probably 20 years. The point is, let the evangelist inspire us and remind us what God is teaching you now and showing you now is useful. What you get here on the weekend, what you get when you're together with your missional community, what you get when you podcast or you're reading or seeking, God's going to use all that stuff. Now, Steve and Vicki both went to Western Seminary. And did a, a, a master's—not full degree, but a master's certificate. Why? They wanted to know the Bible better, and they wanted to be able to teach it with more authority. I'm not saying you have to do that, but I'm saying that training that they did over years—not only is it paying off in a blessing to us as they teach and they lead, but was totally useful with the questions that their friends were asking. What am I saying? I'm saying, whatever you know of Jesus, whatever Philip knows of Jesus, that's what he shares. Whatever you know of Jesus is enough to share with the people around you, but let's not get satisfied. Let's not be content with what we know. Part of the reason that we pursue Jesus is because Jesus is glorious and he's worth pursuing, right? Like, I want to know more about Jesus. Why? I'm his child. I'm connected to him. I'm full of his spirit. I want to know the Lord, but I also want to be useful, and so if you want to be used of God, be someone who's actively pursuing Jesus in your own way, but also look for people around you who seem to be doing well in pursuing Jesus and ask for their trade secrets. Ask what they're reading. Ask good questions. Ask people that you admire, that you look up to. Ask, what are you reading? What, how do you study? Where do you go for answers? What websites do you look at? Who are you listening to? Be someone who asks, seeks, and knocks, and God will use that. So start where they are at. Now, God is patient, so hear that. It may take 20 years to share the the full story with the people. It may take 20 minutes. It may take two weeks. I don't know. But I want to be ready because Philip was ready. I want to be ready to be useful for Jesus. And the last thing is be faithful to share God's words. Be faithful. So, so Philip is, is given a great situation. He's reading Isaiah the prophet. The guy doesn't know what to, to think of it. He's talking about the prophet. He's talking about someone else. And Philip simply says, yes, he's talking about someone else. And I actually know the person he's talking about. He's talking about this Jesus of Nazareth. And from there, he points them to the Messiah, the promised one. And because he is seeking like a Jew, he'd gone to Jerusalem to worship, he knew the Bible story well, and so Philip's just able to connect the dots of what he knows about God and Scripture and the story of God, and he's able to see where Jesus fits all those spots. How's that gonna happen with your friends? It's gonna look different. They've got no Bible, they've got no church background, they've got no history. It's gonna look different Then don't go to Isaiah first, my goodness. You wanna talk about a confusing book of the Bible. Isaiah makes you like, go to Isaiah 6. Just read Isaiah 6. And he's caught up in the heaven and there's the cherubim and everything's flapping wings and there's coals on lips. It's it's scary. It's also a picture of the presence of God and sin and judgment. He got that. So he's able to skip ahead. For you and me, it's going to be different. But be faithful to share God's word. Now, I love storytelling. I love your story. I love to hear stories of how people come to faith. But let me just encourage you, and this is what we get from the evangelist. Stories are good, testimonies are great, but God's story is more potent. So don't just share about the goodness of God's great, he makes me feel warm and fuzzy, he helps me out in my tough spot, all that's good. Learn to share God's story. Know the story of God, because what God has said and what God has done will transform lives. I think one of these Sundays we're just going to get up and read the Bible. I'm not going to tell you when because you won't show up. But we're just going to get out. We're just going to read the Bible because just reading the Bible will totally change your world. Just hearing it. The Spirit of God will say, Yep. Oh, you see where you're not lined up? Oh, did you know? The Spirit of God will teach. And so we need to be a people of the book. We need to be a people who know the Word of God so that we're able to share the Word of God in language that people understand. Now, I hope that doesn't discourage you. I hope that all oh, those was like, oh, five steps to how to do this. I don't even know how to do one. Let me tell you, if you have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit will draw you to the places where you'll be useful. Just be open. Now, a couple of things that we can get out of this that we can apply right here and now. I am all about hearing and doing. If we just hear, we're like James. Don't be hearers of the word, but be doers as well. Because real faith is when we hear what God has said and do something about it. Three things that you can do right now, like right now, to be a part of God's plan. The first thing is to believe on Jesus, follow Jesus, and be baptized. And this morning, if you're here and you've not yet started following Jesus, he brought you here to hear this story about a man who was this close to knowing God for himself. And God sent Philip to remind him that this person is Jesus. And and this could be your first Sunday or or your 100th Sunday. I'm here to remind you in Jesus' name. He brought you here this morning to remind you that your sin, yeah, it's horrible, but Jesus is greater than your sin. And, And Jesus' ability to do in your life is greater than your ability to mess up your life. So if you'll simply give your life over to the leadership of Jesus, he will do the changing, he'll do the fixing, he'll do the transforming, and he will make the rest of your days useful. And at the end of the road, you get life with Jesus now and life with Jesus forever. And that's the gift of God. And you ought to receive that. Everyone should walk out of here a Jesus. There's absolutely no excuse for anyone else. Unless you have a question you haven't had answered yet, feel free to come up to me or one of the leaders afterwards. There are real answers to your questions, but most of us know enough to know that we need Jesus to rescue. And this morning, I'm going to invite you. We're going to invite you to become a follower of Jesus. And then next Sunday, we're going to anticipate you're going to come back. We'll have a baptismal right here, I think. This, yeah, here. And, and we'd love to see you publicly say in front of everyone else, like this man, he hears, and what does he say? He has to tell Philip, look at verse 36. Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? He's so giddy. He's like, come on, man. Get me wet. And they stopped the chariot and he's like, he's, I'm, I'm in. Because he, he realizes I, I'm now a part of the family of God. And it's not because I become a faithful Jew. It's because Jesus was a faithful Jew. Jesus was faithful when I'm not. And now Jesus can remove my unfaithfulness and cause me to be faithful and to live for God. And that's your story. My friend, walk out of here following Jesus. And next week be baptized. The second thing that we can do, maybe you've already done that, is ask God to use you. When is the last time you actually said, God, I want to be used? I really want to be used. Not like, if you got nobody else, I'm available. Which is like most of us. Like, you got better. This is what we say. God, there's so many better people than me. When he's saying, I made you, how could you suggest you're not useful when I made you this way. Let's ask God to use this. That's why we're carving out this Wednesday to ask, seek, knock, together, intentionally praying. Now, what are we praying? I, I, t- I hinted at it last week. This week, we are praying that God would do these miraculous, impossible stuff. We're gonna take the lid off. Sometimes we pray like, Lord, help my grandmother's cat. Forget about your grandmother's cat. Although God cares about your grandmother's cat. We wanna pray that people are radically saved to Jesus radically like, transformed. Like, I had no idea that this person would ever come to church and now they're there in the front row. We've got the seats available for them. They're empty. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for helping me out. We want to ask for the impossible. Uh, now, how do, we, how do we do that? I'm inviting you to come at 6.30 in the morning on Wednesday. Come at 7 at night. If you can't come, connect with some other believers. Carve out 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. Go on a walk in your neighborhood and pray for your neighbors if you know their name great if not pray for the yellow house pray for the blue house pray for the red like pray that the spirit of god will come and sweep through sidebar some of us are afraid to pray because we just don't believe like we're just like what's the point of praying because they're oregonians they're not gonna they're not gonna they're not gonna listen Philip reminds us, Acts reminds us, God is bigger. God is greater and God wants to press through and he's willing and we'll stand with him. God always uses people to push his movement forward. So what can we do right now? The third thing is we can write down an impossible prayer. We want to pray big because we want to see God do great things and God wants to do great things. Sometimes God is limited, and hear this carefully. I'm not saying God's ever limited because he's created the universe, but God is limited in what he will do in our lives because of our unbelief. The problem is not God. He's able to do anything, but he works through faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if we do not believe, which belief is hearing and acting, if we don't act in accordance with what we believe to be true, then God's not gonna do that in our world. He's just not. He's chosen to work through belief. When those who believe in him call in his name, he chooses to move and chooses to act. And that's why we pray. We pray because we believe it actually matters. And that God's going to do whatever God's going to do sounds right, but it's actually scary. God is going to do what his children plead for him to do. Because we believe in him and he's good. And he wants to act but he's calling on us to partner with him. And so will we do that?